yelling at me. Oh, hi, Luna. Hey, how you, how you doing? Great. Everything. Yeah. Everything is just good. So good. 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 Um, Hey, I got the question for you. Sure. What do you think is probably the amount of alcohol that you would have to drink to cause death? For for me personally? Um, sure. And then and then we'll pontificate on uh All right. All right. Yeah. Well, beer, I mean, it's still up for debate what amount of beer will kill me. I we don't know that number <laughs> yet. yet. I haven't you're found still it. Alive. <laughs> I'm trying, trying to figure it out, but I can't find. It. But when it comes to liquor, I'd assume, you know, if if I chugged two twenty sixes of vodka, I'd probably be in real trouble. But beer, beer, I could I could drink for um, for a long period of time. Apparently, straight. Okay. Um, also, I think part of it has to do with how long it takes to consume a certain amount of alcohol, right? I mean, your body you can only you can only drink so quickly, uh, yeah. so that's a factor. Um, so I did find a little bit of information. The first bit of information, uh, two problems with it. One, it made, it put everything into grams and kilograms, which is, I believe the queen's space metrics. I don't understand yeah. those things. So it, I could not calculate. I tried, I Googled, you know, kilograms to pounds and I got lost in the shuffle, but so, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I kept this research part in because of how funny the information was. So here's what they said is the lethal dose. They said the lethal dose of alcohol is five to eight grams per kilogram. And then in parentheses, they put three grams per kilogram for children. <laughs> hmm. How did they, what did that come from the world war two tests? How did they find out how much alcohol a kid can take? That's just, yeah, no but, that's disturbing. <laughs> It probably comes out of Croatia. (laughs) But yes, so they said five to eight grams per kilogram. I don't weigh anything in kilograms. I tried to do, so what they did say was that would be equivalent of 300 grams of alcohol, basically uh, four bottles of wine or 30 drinks from a standard spirit. 30 straight drinks from a standard spirit. Also, like 30 shots probably in a row. Yeah, I'm guessing something like shots or I'm guessing Mm -hmm. probably half that amount if it's ever clear, which I thought was just a band, but it's not. No, no, it's not. I feel like I could drink four bottles of wine in in an evening from 6 o'clock to midnight and I'd be fine. But in an hour, I'm sure I'd be bad. You would. And and I think that's definitely a factor is how quickly the alcohol is consumed because once again, we can only drink... So much, and if you drink mm. four bottles of something in it in it, the time that it takes to kill you, you are either being hazed or you're make you're trying to make a point to someone that you're trying to just hurt. You're like, I'm gonna kill myself. Watch this, and then you Instagram right. the whole thing or something. Okay, yeah. so here's can I add something? There? Yeah, yeah. I, I just need to clear something up. So what I said about Croatia right there, that's a shout out to our new podcast, Hugs. The Hugs podcast with you, yes. myself, and Kent Chungus from True Crime Kent that you can get on Patreon right now, but that will soon be uh, a publicly available podcast. Yes. And don't let the name uh, throw you off. Uh, I created the show with the intention that it just brings all the light and all the love. But then I have the stark reminder that I'm doing it as 11.59 with Kent and Jack. So it's everything (laughs) you could ever want in a (laughs) ham-fisted attempt to share cool stories. It's uh, definitely up your alley. Give it at least four episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Before you see two it. robots try to hug, that's kind of what hugs is. <laughs> yeah, two robots r- doused in lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> parts right. are gonna get stuck to parts. It's anyway. Okay, so here's a little bit more uh, tangible, like bite size information about uh, how much alcohol you could consume. 
So the sober person's blood alcohol content is 0.0. That's a kind of a no-brainer. Legally intoxicated is, and, and this is a bit of a moving target depending on locale. So states have their own, you know, determinations on some of this stuff. But generally speaking, legally intoxicated is 0.08. That's not 0.8. That's 0.08% blood alcohol content. And it literally translates to how much of your blood in your body is alcohol <laughs> and not mm -hmm. blood stuff. So 0.08% of your blood, uh, the contents of blood in your body is alcohol, 0.08. Very impaired is 0.08. This is a big number. 0.08 to 0.4. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, yeah. 0.40. It, it says uh, that. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No. I, well, I got pulled over in my 20s on a back road one time, and the guy breathalyzed me because I smell like beer because I've been drinking beer. Mm hmm. And I was taking the back roads to get to this other liquor store because the one was closed. And I'm not proud of this. I mean, drinking and driving is terrible, but at least I took the back road. The only right. thing I get hit is a person on their bike or a couple of kids hiking, going to uh, <laughs> try to go fishing or something yeah. like that. But I was being very careful. <laughs> and he pulled me over, breathalyzes me, and I think I blew a 06. Wow. Uh, maybe a 05. And he said... I have a feeling that if we sat here for another 15 minutes and you blew again, that you would blow over, but I'm going to let you go home. Ah, so in other words, you had actively been drinking, but it wasn't registering yeah. yet. I see. Yes, I yes. See. And he was right because I chugged a beer before I went on that back road and it was still seeping into my system. Mm. He was exactly right. But I went home and I've never drank and driven again. Uh, I should have been deterred by all the horrible things that happened from drinking and driving, but that, that scared me off. You could lose everything. I think it's, your life. it's a very human thing to – we. I've said it before and it's kind of one of those in one ear and out the other uh, statements. But we literally fear what we don't know. As mm -hmm. humans, we do. We, 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 we are astonished by behavior that we can't uh, wrap our head around or that we haven't experienced before. But experience it one time? And suddenly we're like, yeah. ah, okay, that's not that bad. And I think drunk driving falls into that category. I mean, good night. Yeah. Let's see. Everyone, you could go to any high rise in any downtown, uh, uh, downtown of anywhere, USA. And that whole high rise is full of people that have graduate degrees from a college. And probably 98% of those people have all consumed too much of so much. And they've all driven drunk. All those people translate drunk driving, you know, unless something else has happened. They all translate drunk driving yeah. as it's not as, yeah, okay, come on, guys. Yeah, it's not as bad. Everybody drives home from the bar. Let's be honest, you know. The funny thing about drunk driving, not funny, but it's like you're way more likely to drink and drive if you've been drinking. <laughs> Because, yeah. Because your inhibitions are so low, right? Yeah. Like, it's not like you're going to get into a car sober and start drinking on the ride and become a drunk driver during that process. You've been drinking beforehand. Your inhibitions are low. Yeah, of course I can handle it. I've only had a few beers. And then you slam into somebody. So it's a really dumb thing to say. I love the signs that like the big yellow state paid for lighted signs where they can change the sign message. I love it when it says, been drinking. Take a taxi. Because yeah. the other thing that happens when you drink, or so I've heard, is you lose your quality decision-making skills. So yeah. the person that decides to take a taxi is less likely to be somebody who's drank too much. <laughs> yeah. So the whole system is kind of a kerfuffle, if you will. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it's a difficult thing to navigate for sure. I, I mean, I've talked to people who say that they, they drive better when they've had – when they smoked a bit of weed or when they've had a couple of drinks. It, it uh, makes them a little less – they have less anxiety and they're you know more in tune with, with what's going on. But everybody handles it differently and I mean the, uh, the, the facts, the stats are in. Drunk driving, not good. Yeah, we've kind of figured that one out. I'm yeah. honestly, and I think it's maybe just the era that I grew up in, I'm still astonished that we seemed to have pulled off some hat trick and got pictures of cancer patients on cigarette cartons. That seems like such a, such a victory in a way. Also weird 
that you know yeah. it to me it's just so funny to uh to be able to sell a product that hurts you that bad but still be able to sell it but that you can literally yeah. qualify you're qualified to put a picture of what this product will do to you. I can't think of yeah. another one like that. That's like that's like sending home like flashcards of you know bullet bullet wounds every time you buy a gun or or you know a box of rounds. Which some may say, oh, I think they should. And you know, it might be sobering yeah. for the responsible <laughs> gun owner even to be like, yeah, I need to have my training. Oh, but I digress. <laughs> Obviously, when they put the pictures of the cancer patient on the cigarettes and all that, I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes right now. And it's got a woman with a hole in her throat. Here, hold it up to the cancer. Just, uh, hold it up to the camera. Let me see. Yeah, amazing. Just breathing is torture is what she's saying. Oh, so sad. And I'm here smoking a cigarette like, oh, that sucks. That's too bad. <laughs> what it is is the, comp- the cigarette companies don't care. They're just trying to make money, and all they're doing is they're putting it on there because somebody told them that they're supposed yeah. that they need to do that. They were forced. It's kind of like a, a company. I can't think of the company name uh, that like builds missiles for like the U.S. and they they build all these weapons of like destruction, and they go out there and they put like a big rainbow on their <laughs> uh, logo. Yeah, like we're we're peaceful and we care about everybody, right. and yeah. you know, let's bring it all together. They do it because they're like, oh, this is a step we need to take. Right. This is something we need to do to be palatable to society at this time. And uh, we can keep on building these uh, these missiles as long as once in a while we recognize that uh, the world should be going in a peaceful direction. Yeah, and it just does go to show how easily quelled our opinions of things that maybe we should have more strong opinions are. On You probably saw on social media, you know, there, there were these – interesting posts where somebody would take all of the logos from like BP oil, like mm-hmm. all of their international social media accounts during like uh, gay pride month. And yeah. all of the BP oil icons had rainbows on them, except for like BP Iran, <laughs> you yeah. know? So yeah. somebody in a social media marketing department had to make that judgment call. And you know, at some point there was a whiteboard with all of their locations and there was like, yes, yes, yes. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have a African American friend of mine saying, Hey man, have you noticed how many commercials have like a Mexican guy hanging out with a black dude <laughs> out front of a McDonald's sharing fries lately? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's never happened. You know, like, I mean, it happens. Obviously it happens, but like they're acting like this is like, this is how we, 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 we show that we're woke and we're, we're a part of like these movements and stuff that's, that's happening. Like we're, we're, we're cool with you guys. And that's all fine and well. But his point to me was like, it's almost worse. Like they think that we're stupid. They think that they're yeah. fooling us. They're using these um, social issues as a way to sell more French fries. Right. Well, and the, what's funny is it actually runs counter to marketing logic, which says relate with your consumer. And if that's the case, your marketing department should be a lot more diverse in its thinking where you want to market McDonald's to inner city diverse all day long on the pictures you want to you want to market mcdonald's to my town uh, it is predominantly white and and i'm not going to apologize about that but i'm saying hey if you want to market to me and not have your marketing just go in one ear and out the other or have me subconsciously which is rarely where marketing should land you want it to i want you want me to relate with your subconscious marketing make it visually relate i'm not i'm not saying you shouldn't have other but it's it's so the other side the pendulum has shifted so far where they're do it intentionally that they're, they're once again whiteboard and they're like okay we got to do another marketing ad for mcdonald's for the new big wop so weedy big wop uh yeah burger not the whopper the big wop wap burger yeah uh, it's yeah. wet it's <laughs> juicy uh okay this so is a let's derogatory term too it's <laughs> We've got a photographer on scene. All right. So we need to get a couple actors. So we, uh, black, uh, check, uh, white. Do we want the white one this time, Patty? Patty, can you confirm? Has we done the focus group on the white person? Do we want the white person in this photo? No. Oh, we yeah. want a, we want a semi Latino Maltese oh. mix. 
<laughs> it's crazy. People aren't that stupid. So, you know, actually film on the outside of McDonald's if you want to. Also, uh, in that meeting, I'd like to hear them say, hey, do we play the WAP? Do we, do we play that WAP one in Little Italy? Probably not going to fly so well in Little Italy, right? Exactly. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm pandering. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, how do we get off on that? Oh, blood alcohol content. So I'll round this up. Uh, so getting to where you die with blood <laughs> with your alcohol level at point four, uh, you're you're almost there. At that point, you have difficulty walking and speaking, and you may uh, may experience confusion, nausea, or drowningness. No drowsiness. Mm-hmm. Although you're drowning your liver on the inside. Over point four blood alcohol content, you may be at the risk of a coma. Or death. And uh, it's interesting to note that the majority of people that die from alcohol poisoning, they fall into a coma first. And then if they're not treated in time, then they die. But also having that much alcohol in your system, uh, it's a fast train down the, down the slope. But that's interesting. You know, you think about all the people that you hear about, like in the news, you know, the college kid that dies from alcohol poisoning. His, you know, buddies think he fell asleep, but he's literally in a coma or, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. He passed out like everybody else does. No, he's in a coma and he's almost dead. Oh, he's dead now. Good job. Riker's dead because you didn't. Party, party. Anyway. <laughs> Riker. Riker. Nice choice. Stupid Riker. Anyway, can you think of other things that we enjoy doing? This was hard. This one was a hard one for me to to come up with any answers on. Can you think of other things that we enjoy doing in our lives that if we do them in excess over a short period of time, like, you know, what it would take to get alcohol poisoning, let's say mm-hmm. like over six hours straight, if you did that thing that's socially acceptable or that we enjoy doing that would kill you eating ice cream like yeah it tastes good when you have a few scoops of ice cream but if you just pounded ice cream yeah like these food challenge guys do on youtube where you're literally like watching die for views yeah eating ice cream for six hours probably put you in a diabetic coma you know not good we could probably draw a big circle around anything that would fall into the gluttony category could probably yes. put you in that risk territory right yeah. and and drugs certain drugs brands like tranks moggy's hulk blind squid san pedro or aunt nora would definitely qualify for quick trips to dirtville <laughs> i don't know where you're getting your terminologies from but yeah. i caught one of those i think yeah i'm pretty much spot on on all those those are my i'm i'm well versed on drugs knowledge so, yeah, you got an ear to the streets. Yeah, I'm hip to it. I'm I'm, I'm part of the cool kids. Mm. All right, so this call that we're going to listen to uh, does have some drama to it. So I want to get right into it. But here's a little backstory to get you started. There's a place in Florida called Orlando, and this call didn't happen there. Oh. It happened in Deland, which is about 34 miles from Orlando. So even people from Deland tell people that they live in Orlando Unless they're really pressed for specificity, and then they're finally concede by saying something like, oh, fine, I live in Deland, but do you still deliver? To which usually the response is something like, I'm sorry, we don't deliver. And then the person from Deland is like, come on, I mean, seriously, how much further out of your zone of safe delivery could Deland possibly be? I just need you to nut up and deliver this one time to Deland. To which the response is usually, you don't seem to understand. I said we don't deliver at all. If you want our services, you need to come and check in and have your baby here in the hospital. And then the person from Deland is in exasperation, hangs up and calls an Uber, but not until after they get some walking tacos delivered through DoorDash first. Baby's gotta eat, they mumble as they throw a Nintendo Switch in an overnight bag and waddle down to the waiting taxi. Wow. Yeah, delivery. I I get the whole... I see what you're doing there. So... Anyway, Deland, Florida. Let me know if you need any more. Ge- Do you need any more geographical picture painted for you before I proceed? Good? No. Good. Okay. Okay. The day was one score before Christmas. That's December 6th, 2019. It was just beginning to drizzle rain and COVID outside. And Kimber Iverson, age 27, and her boyfriend Christopher Parker, age 31, were loosening up their party bolts with some alcoholic beverages. 
They'd both had a child together through mating practices, and things were looking good going into the holidays. At least from a distance, they looked good. Like maybe from like Orlando to Dixie Lodge Motel in Deland, where they were currently lodging, you couldn't see the problems brewing. But things were about to hit a speed bump, as you will now hear on this 911 call. Are you ready for me to hit play? Yeah, I'm glad glad to be back, man. It's been a while, and you're you're really bringing you're really bringing the opisms. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. I just said, "Are you ready for me to hit play?" It's been a while since I said that. That felt, that felt good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, here's something else I haven't said in a while. Here we go. There's a difference between there's a difference between being calm as an operator and sounding apathetic and annoyed. She sounded like a 15 year old version of Roz from uh, Monsters Inc. Yeah, nine one one. What's your responsibility? Yeah, grab her nipples. <laughs> do something. Yeah, you know. Do you want to <laughs> help her, Wazowski? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I giggle, but. Now I'm now after hearing the call, I'm sad that we're back, but I'm glad we're back. So let's yeah. cover this. All right. Hey, Luna, how much alcohol do you think it took for her to pass out to this level? Something must have happened quick because you don't just sit in there sipping uh, vodka coolers and suddenly you go into like a coma where you're dead by the sounds of things. I feel like maybe some chugging was going on. Yeah. So I, I don't know how much alcohol, but I don't know. Maybe there's – you know what a butt chug is? Yeah. Well, is that the thing where you do it through the funnel? Yeah. Yeah. So I saw somebody butt chug a Mickey one time, and it was all fun and games until they just passed out three minutes after the uh, 
funnel was removed from their anus. When, uh, oh, you put it in your anus? Yeah, well, that's how we did it. I mean, let me know in the comments section if I were doing it wrong, but well. you take one of those blue funnels and lube it up and stuff it into your butt and then dump a Mickey into there and see what happens. So it's because of all the blood vessels, the blood access to the blood vessels in your yeah. in your rectum slash rear trachea that uh, mm-hmm. you, so you absorb it fast. <laughs> Is that the that's kind of the point? Yeah. Okay. See what happens. Terrible, but also any and you chug the Mickey. So as you finished it, was it like ha huh, ha? Huh, you're gonna die. <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, exactly that. I never did it myself, but I saw a couple of guys do it, and they would just be laying on the floor throwing up for the next while, and you just keep their head to the side. What I'm trying to say, though, to answer your question is, I don't know how much alcohol, uh-huh. but I feel like it happened quickly. Like, they, they chugged a, they chugged a bunch, and it probably was liquor. Okay. Probably doing shots, probably okay. uh, getting... So, you see, my girl doesn't drink much, but she went to, like, this party, and they were all taking shots, and she took, like five or six quick and she said she never felt so good and then so bad so quickly right so like me drunk driving in the backwoods out here in manitoba and i got that king can i just chugged on the road about to push my levels up over the top uh you're getting ahead of yourself you're feeling good but then it's gonna come to get you uh i'll share a story that uh is a bit uncomfortable i dated a girl in high school one time um and uh, we had a good for you. yeah, and it was a lengthy, lengthy like like my high school girlfriend basically like the whole high school. Uh, we still dated at she oh, was brutal. she was in a grade Earl older than me, and we were still dating when she left for college. Nice. Um, she ended up marrying my best friend, which is actually totally fine mm. with me. Uh, not a not a bad not a bad story. But I'll, t- I'll tell you something. Okay. So when she was young. Her, just prior to me meeting her, she snuck out of the house one time and she met her friends over at this guy's house and they drank screwdrivers, which, you know, I, I, is that, was that orange juice and vodka? Yes. Okay. So she drinks uh, screwdrivers with her friend because it's like, you know, the wine cooler of the 80s or the 90s, whatever. Yeah. And, or maybe wine coolers were the wine coolers of the 90s. I don't know. I don't know my things. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so they drank these and then they all got in the hot tub, which thins your blood out. So it increases the efficacy of the of the effect of the alcohol, right? Yeah. And uh, everything from that point forward was a blur for her, including what happened to her by somebody who wasn't her boyfriend. But I know who that guy was because she told me and I had to go through math class with that guy for like a whole year knowing what he did. Uh, And so once again, like, yes, like you're saying, it's with these substances, sometimes with these substances, we don't even know what our bodies are going to do. Right. And so it, an ounce, what is it? An ounce of caution prevents the cancer cure or something like that. Something like that. I just want to say real quick that you're in math class with this guy trying to figure out how this all added up. (laughs) Like I was going back to my birds and bees days, like, okay, two people love each other, but they didn't love each other. So there's, this is impossible. This doesn't (laughs) up. Teacher, your hands constantly up, staring at the guy with daggers. Mm. Boy, I tell you what though, that was a really difficult situation to not want to just take a bat to that that kid mm-hmm. and i will say yeah. uh things actually i think ended up working out because uh there are statute of limitations on that and uh, the statute of limitation hadn't limited itself yet when things finally finally uh worked out so i didn't have to take a bat to him mm-hmm. okay all right so here's here's the here's the skinny on her uh heavy heavy usage her blood alcohol content level uh, at the time that the officers arrived, when they because uh, they they took they took they took her blood and sampled it, uh, was point oh one oh one yeah oh, sorry okay point, yeah, like, point oh right. one so she was uh, seven points off from even being considered legally intoxicated. This indicated mm. that she had consumed maybe a few beers, but interestingly, when police arrived, they found that she had also taken a massive number of extreme blows to the face and head. 
In fact, the extent of her injuries was so extreme that the officers on scene were shocked when they saw her lying there. Her face actually seemed visually broken in in certain areas, and her ear had sustained massive injuries as well, hanging from her head. Maybe in this part of town, uh, what was it called again? It was called Deland. Deland. Or Deland. They think the uh, slang for eyeballs is nipples. Maybe because... And he was doing compressions. She on her face. Right. Yeah. Well, also, I don't know if you picked up on it, but the road that they were on was called Beersford. So wow. just being on that road, you probably get drunk. Anyway, I digress. We're getting mm-hmm. close to a victim. Oh, absolutely. But witnesses heard Kimber's screams for 30 minutes before they confirmed hearing Christopher call 911. So they heard her screams through the walls of the motel. For 30 minutes. And then the witnesses actually said they confirmed hearing him call 911. That's how much stuff they were hearing while this was going on. None of them attempted to intervene or to call 911 on their own. And if that weren't enough, one person was so annoyed by the screams for help that they decided to go to the grocery store to kill some time, hoping that the screams would have ended when they returned. Wow. Wow. It sounds, it almost sounds like the, uh, the person who went to the grocery store actually went to work as a 911 call operator and then found themselves on the call. <laughs> That's how much excitement she seemed to have about it. So the police chief and his investigators were shocked enough by the lack of response by those around that he held a press conference and said the following, For those people in our city who find themselves in an abusive relationship, you're not alone. This police department is here for you. There is help and resources that are available to you. Uh, he went on to okay. say, Everyone in the community should feel the right and the capability to report any, quote, information that may be alarming. If our residents hear something that doesn't sound right, please contact law enforcement immediately. Call 911. So it's a little sad that he has to even say this, but that he was so motivated to generate a whole press conference to remind people of something so basic. But it got me thinking. There are laws in states and in Canada all over the place, uh, where cities, municipalities, uh, villages, uh, quadrants, whatever, hamlets, uh, that they have developed what are called Good Samaritan laws. So, no, then that's a, if you're not familiar, a Good Samaritan is kind of a riff on the, on the, the, the Bible story about the Good Samaritan who walks along this path and finds someone who's naked and beaten and he takes care of them and pays for their treatment in a Airbnb. Yeah. <laughs> Made of hay. Yeah, he's like, yeah. I'll be back. No, so the name of the name of the, the name of the town was Samaritan? Or they were a Samaritan. So they were a Samaritan from Samaria is why gotcha. they were named that. And the reason now the, the reason that, that Jesus mentions a Samaritan was because everybody he was talking to was not Samaritan. And at the time, there was actually a lot of criticism of people from Samaria. So by him making mm. the hero a Samaritan, he was also making the statement that, hey, you're no better than anybody else. But, you know, that's mm. another story. Anyway, so. Long Yeah, life. it's yeah. really long. Sorry. So there are good Samaritan laws. What, Jack? Luna, do you think good Samaritan laws do? Um, I'm probably wrong, but I, I think that it makes it so that people can safely intervene in a crisis and not be sued at some point. And I thought the same because we've done episodes before where, you know, we've talked about uh, how to, you know, cell phone triangulation, like how to make sure that 911 knows where you're at or how to, you know, how to safely navigate uh Firearms. If you if you're gonna carry a firearm, you know, we've we've talked about this. I thought for sure that yeah. this would be a thing where I would do a little bit of research and bring the goods to people and be like, "You want to be a good person? The the Samaritan laws. That's that's you know your know your laws. Right. But instead, after looking into them, here's what I have to say: You want to do good? Know your Samaritan laws." In your local local jurisdiction, because the Good Samaritan laws are there to tell you what you can't do, not what you can. Mm. It, in reality, they're they, they're very similar to as a, as somebody who carries a firearm. I don't I don't want to know 
what I can do with a firearm in a situation. I want to know what I can't. Because if I use a firearm in a situation where I can't or shan't use one, I'm going to jail. So that's exactly the same thing with Good Samaritan Laws. I'm going to post a link in the description of this podcast uh, to a website where you can look up the, the Samaritan Laws for your area and you will be shocked. But it's so important you know these things because the Good Samaritan Laws basically say this. Uh, good example. Can I tell you a personal experience from a friend of mine that has something to do with this? Yes. So a guy had driven his vehicle into the side of a bridge in an attempt to commit suicide, did not complete suicide. Oof. A friend of mine stops his car, sees the, the car on fire all crumpled and buddy kind of hanging out the door a little bit, runs up, unbuckles him and yanks him out, causing some spinal damage because the guy had some kind of spine thing going on from the crash and running him through a bunch of the glass from the window. I think he pulled him through. He must have pulled him through the Hmm. window or through glass when the door was open. And that guy later on tried to sue my friend for the injuries that occurred from the way that he pulled him out of the vehicle. Yes. Even though he was trying to kill himself in this situation. That's exactly right. The irony of Good Samaritan Laws is they are to inform you of what you should not try to do per your local regulations when it comes to helping someone in need. It's astonishing that we've done this. I used to be um, in corporate, right? And I used to mm-hmm. I used to create what are called brand guides or brand Bibles. And it's the first couple I ever wrote for companies. I put in all the things you could do with the logo. Here's all the things you can do with the logo. And then I realized very quickly that the list of everything you can do is 800 miles long. But really what you need to put in there is a very clear and succinct list of what you can't do with the logo. You can't make the IBM logo pink. You can't put a drop shadow behind it or tilt it on its axis. You know, those kind of things. So you have limited now from all the things that you could do in a situation with your agency or your your choice to to do something down to a very clear list of don't do this so that's that's the idea behind good samaritan laws there's one in particular that caught my attention and this tells you why you should know your local laws in louisiana it's called gratuitous service at scene of emergency limitation on liability that's that's uh the, the excerpt from their law. You can help somebody else except for when incidental to a business relationship existing between the employer or principal of the person rendering such care. In other words, hey, help anybody anybody you want unless you work with that person. If you're at an if you're an employee trying to help an employee or a or a boss helping, you know, an executive a superior helping a, a somebody an underling, don't do it. Don't, don't touch them. And it's, it blows my mind that we have to say these things, but it's all about who can sue who. And if you're an employee of a company, the reason they put this in there is because if you're an employee of a company and I take a fall and you try to help me, but you end up paralyzing me because my fall had already sort of injured me, but then you commit, you finished me off. I can not only sue you, I can sue that company. I can sue it, it oh, it's unbelievable. We've all heard those yeah. dumb stories, you know, of a robber who breaks through like a sunroof onto a knife in somebody's kitchen and then sues them and wins. It's that kind of yeah. a thing. But but so please look into your Good Samaritan laws. If you are the kind of person that runs into a fire as opposed to away from it, know your law, know your boundaries. Oof. I like to think that hopefully once it goes to court and it's a big pain in the ass having to go to court for something that you were trying to be positive, like you were trying to help yep. and you end up being sued by this person, like the situation I just gave there and the one that you gave, <clears throat> excuse me, that the judge finally in the end of it would be like, this is stupid. Totally. This is silly. I see what you're trying to do. You hope that, but I mean, it's not guaranteed. No. Also, that's I think the really hard part about being a judge is the judge is bound by the law that he he's under. Yeah. So, uh, so the judge would love to do it, but he's bound by the law. And so really what determines whether or not you get cleared of that or not is who has a better attorney. Really. That's what it comes yeah. down to. Oh. Yeah. So tread carefully, but there is one place 100% of the time 
that you are guaranteed to help a situation and not hurt it, and that is called nine one one. When you call nine one one, you're you're doing you're doing something. You're you're enlisting those people that should actually be part of that firefight or whatever's going on. And you can stay anonymous. Also, you're contributing to our show. (laughs) But Jack, you mentioned something earlier, which I thought was interesting about why people maybe hesitate to get involved, why they stay on the other side of the paper thin motel wall and hear the whole thing happening, but then they don't. Sure. Don't do anything. Sure. Sure. No, I'll give it quick. Um, so I used to live in apartment buildings and oftentimes you would hear screaming and arguments and, and you know, and because of the area that I lived in, if you were to call 911 and people heard that you called the cops, you're a rat all of a sudden. And there, you know, there's drug dealing. I'm, I was involved in that at the time. And so my uh, reaction to that with my history as well as I'll, I'll say quick, when my friends and I, when we were younger, I had friends who had been through domestic abuse situations and all that. If we heard, walk past a house or we used to hang out in this park and you would hear the arguments happening from all the houses around. There was like little cul-de-sacs all around this park. Mm-hmm. And from time to time, depending where where you were in the park, you would hear these arguments happening with these families. And we're out there, bored kids. Our reaction is like, hey, if we don't do something about this, you know, we're pussies. Yeah. And go knock on the door. But – and that would get you into a situation where you have an angry, say, husband beating on his wife, comes to the door, and now he's angry at you. And if he can quell it and, and fool us into thinking everything's okay, he's going to go back to her and be even tougher on her and quieter about it uh, so it doesn't happen again. It kind of just pushes the problem underneath the rug where it festers type of thing. But in the apartment buildings where I was at, you go and I would just knock on the door and be like, what's going on, man? Like, everything okay? And I'm putting myself in a really bad situation. I should call 911 mm-hmm. in that spot. But a reason why a lot of people don't is because they don't want to be labeled as a rat. Um, and they also feel like, I need to handle this right now because it's going to take too long for 911 to get here. So I'll handle this. And then you put yourself into a, a very dangerous situation. Pounding on the wall or approaching the person. Uh, on yeah. the roof or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, and those, I think those are all credible. They're, they're, they're legitimate concerns. Um, Anonym- anonymity is, I think, something that you can lean mm-hmm. on when you're leaving, uh, when you're calling 911, if you, if there is that concern. Um, and here's the most important thing. We all know somebody who is in a relationship where we're like, man, I just wish that somebody would cart that guy away or I wish she would just disappear. Yeah. But in reality, here's the best you can do if you want to be proactive to help somebody else in those situations the best you can do is help create a paper trail because this case is a great example of not enough paper trail, not enough convincing support because in this case, further investigation after this concluded that Christopher, who had been previously arrested for things like grand theft and battery already, had historically been incredibly abusive towards Kimber. Um, arguments between them regularly escalated and they always became physical. But there were two domestic violences in particular, uh, incidences, incidents in particular, uh, one in March and another in April of 2018, so the year prior. And despite the police investigating both incidents and having cause to arrest Christopher, Kimber did not cooperate with the authorities. She didn't even want to press charges because she saw it as the fights were mutual. So the best you can do in these situations to help somebody who anybody would look at Kimber and say, honey, honey, no, this isn't you. He's hitting you. Hello. Uh, We can all say that, but the best thing we can do in these situations is develop a paper trail because here, here, and I know there's people on the other end like, no, because you do that, you scare him. He's coming back mad. He's coming back again. He's not going to be, you're not going to be able to keep him away long enough. Here's the thing. There's little control you have over that, but by developing a paper trail, you keep him away longer in the end. If it happens like it happened to Kimber and he, he, you know, all this happens, it, one only one incident guess what he's now a first time offender 
But if this has happened over and over and there's a paper trail, that judge will tack on more years to whatever sentence he gets. So do them a favor. Do the abused a favor and assist by helping to create a paper trail wherever possible, wherever ethical, I would say. And I I think the big uh, takeaway point, and I'll let you go on with your story here with this story, is if if I could talk to myself in those situations I was in, in the park or in the um, apartment building – you can call in and be anonymous. Yes. Uh, back then, though, I always felt like, you know, they push you to find out who you are. I think on the side of a 911 call operator, on the side of the law, as soon as somebody says they want to be anonymous, they need to respect that entirely. Yes. And I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. I haven't called 911 and said I want to be anonymous ever. Um, but that's very important to know. Be anonymous. If you, if you don't want to bring this on to you or if you don't want to, yeah, be the one that they're going to hide this from in, in the future, anonymous is, is the way to go and create that paper trail. Absolutely. There's one more bit of, uh, bit of hope, something that I want to give everybody here, and that's in the U.S. at least, and I believe Canada has something similar, but in the U.S. there is per state – an established victims advocate and there's a website where you can go to find state support it's the office for victims of crime or the ovc and the website i'll leave it in the description but it's ovc.ojp.gov forward slash states if you're looking to find your state in particular and get in touch with the victims advocate to get the ball rolling on like we said, creating that paper, paper trail. So I'll, I'll leave that link in the in the comments or in the description. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I might also comment and leave it in the comments. I don't know. I might be feeling frisky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, so she didn't want to press charges. Um, so after they come and they see her as a basically a, just a bloody pulp on the floor, obviously this 911 call was a total ruse. Also, Really? What was Christopher thinking? How was this going to go? What's his end game? He's calling saying that she was like, you know, uh, drunk. And then they're going to show up. He's calling them to show up to see this, you know, like what? So yeah. weird. Um, so Kimber was rushed to a local hospital hospital where she remained unconscious for two days before she succumbed to her injuries. She passed away the following Monday. Uh, this happened in 2019, so Christopher is still awaiting a trial date as he sits in the Volusia County Branch Jail, which by the sounds of it is a jail where they take people and branches that have committed crimes. He's said to be enjoying becoming the girlfriend of other inmates as a large part of his prior aggression was a cry for help due to his confused sexuality. It's a relief for him to be able to be close to men and feel their warm touch and share a piece of sliced bread under the glow of the red light emanating from the door lock. That's beautiful. Jail has brought out this softer side and the hope is that he will be able to continue to explore that journey more during his stay in jail and the inevitable transition to prison life. Oh, man. Well, that's a nice end to that story. I didn't know the happy ending was going to come so soon there. I know. Well, here's something. I realized that during this episode that we have a special power, you and me. We have a microphone and a bunch of listeners. And there's what we would call truth in reporting, right? And then there's another fun thing called fiction. And what you just heard me say about Christopher and Jill was obviously fiction. But in my opinion, a piece of crap like Christopher, a manly man who beats women to death, deserves a bit of fiction to be written. No doubt there are bits of truth that could be derived from the fiction that I wrote. Like, relationships blossom all the time in prison, especially between people who are left bereft of companionship. So, so who knows how far from the truth I was in actually creating my little faux prison story. But I feel like Christopher deserves that. Mm. He deserves someone to write out that he will hopefully experience behind bars. Does Christopher struggle with his sexuality? I don't know. You don't know. But it's worth opening a dialogue about, a dialogue that he can't be part of. Mainly, I hope a piece of garbage like that gets a whole bunch of unexpected hugs. Big, giant, unexpected, intense, and forceful hugs there in jail, whether he likes it or not. Mm, yeah. I hope he's got a prison guard like the 911 call operator who keeps on saying, <laughs> stop shouting. Stop grunting. I hear you grunting in there. Stop grunting and crying like a baby. Ew. 
<laughs> anyway, so unlike uh, what Christopher is going to experience in jail, or maybe just like what Chris- Christopher is going to experience in jail, do you want a happy ending? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how happy those Oof. endings go in jail. I don't know either. Yeah, that, what a story, man. Like, it's funny how him on the phone there freaking out now knowing what happened, he he clearly just knew that he had beat her up too, too yep. much. Yep. You know? He beat her to death. And I, I, it's one of those things where we'll never know, but um, it, when when the dispatcher and on the calls that we've listened to, when they're like, count with me, the person on the other end catches up real quick to that, that pace. Uh, 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 right. right? He never was. He never did. And his level of like despair seemed like kind of over dramatized from the beginning of the call. He's like, what? Uh, what? I can't. Come on. You know, it was just so a little overdone. So I wonder if he was even giving her CPR, yeah. you know, at all. Oh, no. I don't think so. It's, I don't think so. One, two, three. Yeah, okay. Four. Come sure. on, baby. What what exactly what was he screaming into the the ear that was hanging from her head? I just feel ugh, guys like this. I, just, I you know I got a lot of hope for people, but uh, I also believe that uh, there's there you, you have consequences for your actions, and I hope his consequences are an extended stay. Right? How about an ex, how about a real happy ending though? Yeah. No. I'll take okay. It. Yeah. Uh, oh, hey Luna, hmm. I have a question for you. What is an animal that you would avoid killing at all costs? Like, are you so scared of anything that you would call 911 before you had to deal with it yourself? I mean, maybe like a bear or something like that. Yeah. Sure. But there is an animal that I am, I freeze up anytime this happens. And it's when a bird flies into my garage. (laughs) I have a, my studio is in the back corner of a a garage and birds often fly in through the window and, all that and there's something about birds and bats that just frees me up uh, I can't go up I go to try to grab them or hit them with a net and get them out or shush them out with a broom and I find my body just not let me do that birds look birds and well not bats but birds look very peaceful and glorious when they're flying around but when you see one up close when it's banging up against the walls it's got ticks all over its eyebrows and it's looking at you wildly uh, I don't like going near birds yeah, for some reason. I hear you there. Also, you're probably best to, I mean, bird one thing, shush a bird away. But when it's a bat, you I, you have my permission to steer clear. I, I don't want to hear from like 2022 to through 2025 about the Jack's Manitoba virus that spread across the world because you were like <laughs> shushing a bat out of the rafters, which I can see behind your head, by the way. They look good. I like those garage rafters. They look high quality. Oh, I thought you were going to say the that. bats. You see the bats hanging from the rafters. Yeah. <laughs> Freak me out. No, no, I, I wouldn't put them between two pieces of bread and eat them with my legs That's crossed. You know, in a in a what do they wet call market. those wet yeah. market? Yeah, man. I, I spend all night up. If there's a bat in the room, ugh, I don't want to go back to sleep because I've read enough Edgar Allan Poe or whatever stories where they come down and just vampirize yeah. you with rabies. Yeah, I don't I don't really have I'm not scared of of animals to the point where like I don't feel like I could handle it on my own. We lived on a uh, 5 acre property and you know mice were a thing. If she one. saw a mouse skitter across and and oftentimes mice in a house at least very rarely run straight across the carpet. They're always along the corners, all along the edge of the the wall. But if we see one skitter, it doesn't matter where it is. She, she's not going to bed. She won't go to bed until it's taken care of. I, oh, I'm with her. I mean, I, I've killed many mice, but I don't know, man. It's, uh, I guess I'm a pussy. I, I, I just, what about you? What about you when it comes to, uh, would you call now, uh, maybe a snake? Yeah. Uh, uh, af- over a certain size. Uh, if I can confirm that it's venomous, I, I just, it's not worth the risk. Uh, I don't feel well versed enough in taking care of also sharks. Like if, if, if there were a shark, definitely I'm calling animal, animal control. They're unpredictable. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they seem passive, but they're really aggressive and I think really should be spayed and neutered. Well, unlikely you're ever going to get bit by a shark, especially in like in your bathtub or in your toilet yeah. or anything or in your swimming pool. But do you know the odds of committing suicide are like one in 180? Or I think it's one in like 87 for people and it goes up and up as you get older. Really? But the odds of getting bit by a shark are like one in three million. 
Um, wow. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that too much. I'd worry about yourself. Yeah. It turns out, it turns out yourself is your biggest enemy. Also, driving a vehicle, we all act like you know we're so casual about driving cars and, and trucks and whatever else. You're in this metal machine going a, you know, a hundred kilometers an hour, whatever it is, and other parts of the world that haven't caught up to the metric system yet. So <laughs> this caller did make a judgment call and decided to call 911 as her only option. So are you ready for me to hit play on this? Yes, I'm ready. Here we go. I'm panicked. Hi there, I just have kind of a ridiculous question. Um, I'm home alone and there is a giant spider on the back of my couch. And I am talking giant. I have never seen a spider this big, and I have no idea what to do. What's on the back of your couch? A spider. As ridiculous as that is, I've just spent the last 20 minutes panicking. It is so big. I don't know what to do. Like how big is like the size of a baseball or a golf ball? Yeah. It's like the it's probably the size of a baseball. It is huge. And someone in my family was just recently bit, and they thought it was a recluse spider. It was my mom. She had to go to the hospital, and she has, like, this nasty bite on her leg. And I'm walking to my room, and I see this massive freaking creature on the back of my couch, and I have no idea what to do, and I can't get hold of my parents. So I don't know if you guys have anything I can do or if I just sit here and stare at it and wait for somebody at home to kill it. Okay. Well, I mean, I can, uh, you just want something to come up and kill it. I don't know if that's, like, ridiculous, but I... And I'm usually not scared of stuff like this, but this thing is massive. Okay. Well, I can have an officer definitely contact you. Okay. Is that is that ridiculous, or... Well, you, I, I mean, think? you don't feel safe disposing of it yourself, correct? Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. It's, it's probably as big as my hand. Okay. Um, does it look like it might be, like, a pet? Like, someone's pet? Came no. No. Definitely... It's definitely a wild spider. <laughs> like, something that came from, yeah, no, it's so not the, a pet. the body of it, not including the legs, is about the size of a baseball? Yes. Like, it is the size of a tarantula without the huge butt. Like, it is massive. Okay. McKenna, I'll okay. go to Forest Grove and hopefully they can help you out, okay? All right. Thank you so much. You betcha. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so my first question is... <clears throat> Does this dispatcher aware? Like, is there is there an identifier for spiders that are pets? Like, do they have leashes, or is there like a number system, or how, a naming convention? I'm wondering, like a little like dog tag. That was a funny question. Does it look like a pet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah a little dog tag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it says Lefty. Yeah. Oh man, I might I might call on that man. That. Like if with the recluse yeah. uh, situation she was talking about there, I, I might call that, on that. big of so a spider. She was very. I, for listening to as many nine one one calls as we have listened to, once in a while you get somebody who's a reasonable nine one one operator, who's a reasonable regular person meets a reasonable regular person who calls. More often than not, you have somebody who's freaking out, and then you have someone who's burned right. out on the nine one one, and it's not a good match. But if you got someone who could like kind of, you know, just break it down with you humanly, uh, we can figure this out. Yeah. And sounds like what they did. I like I liked the way that went She down. was self-aware. He he bucketed it as, oh, yeah, you don't feel safe, so maybe maybe this works. So, yeah. you know, I wonder how that how that ended. Actually, I do know she died. Just kidding, she didn't. Oh, no, she she, she's yeah. fine. Uh, they got they got the spider. So, oh, I just, hold on, I just got a text message from the Mumperator. She says... Would you please tell them that you need to take a break to order the staff lunch? <laughs> so apparently the episode's okay. over because <laughs> my mom says right. I have to go eat. <laughs> All right, man. Let's All right, everyone. We'll get back. We'll get back on track. Hugs. Hey, so thank you so much again for listening to another episode. This is episode 49, which is a great number. Not quite as cool as 50, which is our next number coming up. Episode 50 already. I can't even believe it. We've been busy hardworking on all sorts of things. One that's really near and dear to our heart is the New Hugs podcast, which is currently on Patreon, but will be public very, very soon. We just finished our last uh, early bird preview for our Patreon patrons. 
and we're going to be dumping the whole thing for binging. So the first four or five episodes will be available for free as the Hugs Podcast. So keep an eye out for that. Also, counted it up the other day on one of the Hugs Podcasts. We have 10 different shows now at 1159 Media. 10 shows. We have several that are free. We've got three right now, and Hugs Podcast will be four. And then we have six other shows that are on Patreon. So if you want to head over to Patreon, patreon.com forward slash 1159 media and see what you've been missing. Hugs. Hugs.